are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Go download the Locker Room app. We'll be over there on Thursday talking a bunch of Brooklyn Nets action. So once again, Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner and operator, Daily Fantasy Sports Rankings, but you don't want to type all that in dfsr.com for short covering you for all of your nba dfs needs got nhl up there as well pga a couple tournaments this weekend we have it all covered under one subscription package so go check that out on dfsr.com mlb coming down the pike as well so it's really your one-stop shop for dfs action got you covered over there and usually this is the part of the show that I introduce one Mr. Adam Armbrecht. He is not in the house today. He's got some other stuff going on. Uh, so it's just going to be me flying solo on the podcast today talking Brooklyn Nets action. We have plenty to talk about. And what ends up being a little bit of a weird week in terms of scheduling, uh, they have the Tuesday game and then the Wednesday game to do this like little mini West Coast trip and then they come back for a Friday one as well. So it kind of ends up being sort of packed in around the West Coast thing and then they make their way back. But it definitely, you know, three games where you have to travel a little bit as well. Ends up kind of messing with the schedule a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw some weirdness with some of the minutes. Uh, and, and we're going to definitely talk about that today because there is some, eh, not concern here, but there's a, there's definitely a, a trend that's emerging, at least uh, with one Mr. James Harden that we're going to get into uh, here in a little bit. want to clear away some of the injury stuff, though, first, because uh, this trip will be uh, different in the sense that it, they make an extended sort of, like I said, mini West Coast jaunt out to play Portland on Tuesday, uh, you know, or this evening when you hear this, and then Wednesday uh, against Utah. So they do the back-to-back on the road on the West Coast before making their way back to Detroit on Friday. The news that came out Monday morning, we were kind of waiting on it after we podcasted uh, following the Washington game on Sunday, was being a little concerned with the health of Landry Shamit after he took a pretty bad fall on a three-point contest from Garrison Matthews in the second half of the game. There wasn't landing space for Shamit. He came down, his right ankle came down on sort of the foot of Matthews. I, don't, I think it was inadvertent, though he probably really did have a gripe when it came to whether or not he had enough space to actually land around Matthews. Neither, you know, in the end, it's neither here nor there. Things happen, uh, you know, ankles get twisted and whatnot. But we were waiting to hear the news on whether, what kind of severity we were looking at with the Shamit injury, who, uh, a guy that's kind of become a pretty important, at least in the short-term, role player for the Nets. Good news is, the uh, the MRI that he had on Monday came back clean, so there's no structural damage at all. Looks like it's probably some version of a sprain, though they weren't uh, they didn't kind of give all the medical information there, except that the first initial report was mostly just around that he was going to be you know not going to miss extended time for surgery or anything like that. The timeline on his return is unclear right now, though the early reports didn't seem to think that. It was going to, you know, he, we weren't looking at like a month absence or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just inferring that, by the way. There's, a, there's no official word, but he is going to miss some time. He's not going to be going 
on this West Coast trip. So they're going to be down another guard. And it's a shame, too, because Shamit was, you know, look, injuries happen. This is the kind of thing that happens in basketball. You have to be prepared for it. You, your best players can just get hurt, uh, you know, in a, in a moment, and that's just kind of what happens. So, you know, you can't really cry foul when it comes to just overall injuries in basketball. This is the kind of thing that happens on a nearly every game basis across the league, uh, depending on where you are. But Shamit had been really playing pretty well lately over the last, let's see, since March, since the beginning of March, when he started finding his stride, especially from beyond the three-point line. He's been shooting a 43% from uh, from beyond the arc on over five attempts, by the way. So it's not like this isn't you know too much of a run hot sample. It's a little. You know, I mean, the sample size is not huge, but this is a guy that we knew had the uh, the three point shot in his bag anyway. 40% if you go back, or over 40% if you go back since the beginning of February. And it become a nice little piece coming off the bench for the Nets. I uh, got did get the one start in there as well. But the the fact that he's able to come in off the bench, or has been, and able to knock down threes with moderate consistency, especially the ones that are open for him, was turning into a nice little thing that they were able to eh, not hang their hat on, but know you had you know you had shooting coming in off the bench, which in the NBA is a pretty important thing. The defense had been pretty good as well because he's able to switch moderately well along the wing. So losing him for even a couple games, especially now, because we'll get to the other piece here in a second where the injury thing kind of does rear its ugly head, but it does it kind of does hurt a little bit in terms of their depth and especially from their guard depth to not be able to have him over the next couple games. That being said, really glad that it's not a more serious injury. It looked pretty bad at the time when he landed. I was thinking Achilles right away. I'm not a doctor by any means, so this is, you know, take that for what it's worth. The fact that he was able to walk off-ish made me feel a little bit better, like it probably wasn't the end of the world. But right when he landed, I was thinking, ooh, that looks uh, looks pretty bad. So to have it really maybe just be a tweak, maybe a moderate sprain, probably not going to miss a ton of time ultimately is a really good thing when you uh when you just when you when you first saw it because like I said when he first comes down and and the amount of pain he was in and just the way that the ankle looked like it twisted when he landed on Matthew's foot uh just really didn't look all that good where we get to worried about the guard depth a little bit is that along with the Shamit news which was good there was another piece of news that came out that said Kyrie Irving is also not going to make the trip uh, to the to Portland and then ultimately to Utah either because he's dealing with a personal matter. They did not go through what the personal matter was. It's not really uh, our business to know what it was. And I know when you hear Kyrie and personal, you think, oh, here we go again because we went through this, you know, what seems like forever ago now because they've had such a good run. But you don't have to look back too far to Kyrie having an extended absence over uh, miss at the time. What I no look, we can't qualify as anything else but mysterious circumstances because we never really got the full breath uh, of why he missed. Except that he was dealing with some personal stuff. That one did sound it was more like personal, personal. This one sounds more like dealing with a family matter, which can just mean anything. So whatever that ends up being, hope that everything is all right in his world. Obviously, hope that it is just this West Coast piece uh, that he's gonna miss. But he's definitely going to miss the next couple. Games games at least. I don't know if they, I'm looking real quick actually, I'm not sure if they said he was going to meet back up with them. Oh no, excuse me, sorry, sorry, I should probably just cut this out, but I'll just keep going. The He is going to miss the entire three-game trip because on their way back from Utah, they stop in Detroit for a game on Friday, so he's going to miss that game as well. So he'll be out the next three games tending to a family matter, um, and they're going to be 
without him. They've, they've been down this road before. Now, again, when they went down this road a few games ago, it was Shamit who got the start. So I'm not exactly sure which direction they're going to go with the guard play here. Now that both of these guys are out, maybe we get a Tyler Johnson start. Maybe they go, you know, Bruce Brown at the two, the functional two with Harden, and then try to get, you know, some bigger bodies in there for these teams. I'm not exactly sure. You know, Portland's a pretty wing-heavy team, uh, at least in how they start. Lillard, CJ, uh, Covington, excuse me, Derek Jones, and then they go big with Cantor. They bring Melo in off the bench for some minutes as well. So I'm not sure. You know, you can probably, you don't need to go bigger against that team. Uh, Utah pretty wing-heavy as well, at least uh, in terms of where they start with the starters outside of Gobert, though he's not like a you know an offensive first center by any means. So I'm not really sure what kind of starting lineup they're going to throw out there. Like I said, it could be a Bruce Brown thing. I don't think they're going to go double big with any of these lineups, but that's just me making a guess. I, it's I'm sure we'll hear you know over the course of the day who they end up planning on starting. And I could see it being Tyler Johnson, though they might want him to have some more him to come in off the bench to have, provide some more secondary ball handling, especially when they want to spell Harden. So there's a couple different ways they can go. Uh, I'm not. None of them are going to be <laughs> the iteration of the team that you really want to see in the short term, just because whenever you start losing players, especially key pieces, they're already at without Durant. I mean, obviously Kyrie is you know an absolute superstar, and then Shamit, who's been getting real minutes. You know, you start to really run into just sort of minute problems overall because these are just pieces of your team that are that are just so important. So I'm sure over the course of the day we'll hear who's going to start. They might just look at these as kind of schedule losses against two good West Coast teams in general. I'm not sure, you know, how the Nets view this road trip. They built a nice little padding in the East in terms of their record. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, how much they see these as must-win games or anything like that, especially knowing the amount of pieces there down. I want to get to the James Harden minutes here in a second. I think that this is actually going to be an interesting talking piece about what happens on this road trip now that Kyrie is not going to be in the mix. First, let's talk a little bit here about locker room. Look, you might have heard us. We've already done a locker room already, planning on doing another one this week. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free download. And once you're in, you can talk with us, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We're going to be hosting a locker room on a locked on Nets locker room on Thursday. So go over to Twitter and we'll announce the exact time over the next couple episodes as well. Had a great time when we did this last week. Called a couple fans up to talk. I don't even see them as fans, just kind of talked to our, our, our people, right? Got into locker room, talked to our people, really knowledgeable Nets fans already in there. It's a perfect place to start or join a conversation around the league. You're going to find fans just like us uh, for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns. And of course, reacting to news and rumors along the way. Make sure you join us on Locker Room on Thursday more. I think it's going to be Thursday morning. I'll have a more exact time later in the day. Right now, go download Locker Room app for free. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. And follow us on, at Locked On Nets to be notified when our room goes live. See you there, locker room, changing the way we talk sports. Also got to talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. Look, buying car parts can be 
could be kind of a disaster if you're trying to do it live and in person. We've all been to the car parts store. You need something for the, for the car. Your car's got a million parts, especially if you're not a total car guy or gal. Like I'm going to put myself in that category. It can just be a really intimidating experience. You walk into the store. They disappear into the cavern of parts in the back. You never know what they're coming out with. You don't know what the price is going to be. You don't even know if it's the exact right part for your car, make and model, not on Rock Auto. Super easy to use. Drop-down menus that help you search for your car, make, model, and year. It'll show you the exact part you're looking for, show you the exact price, and you know that price is going to be 30 to 50% better than some of those local places we were talking about. And like I said, all you got to have is the make, model, your car, and the car part you need, which, by the way, on the internet these days, you can fix almost anything with a YouTube video or two. shows you what's wrong. You get the part. You go to Rock Auto. You are good to go. It's a family business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they have everything that you'd ever think about for your car. The rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate. You can see all the car parts that are available and see the exact price and know you're getting the best in the industry. Right now, go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available, and then when they ask you, how did you hear about us? Just write locked on in that that little box there, and they'll know that we sent you rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, wanted to talk about, on the heels of the Landry Shamit piece, on the heels of no Kyrie Irving we know for this road trip, let's talk about what happens with this Nets team and sort of what the goals are for this team as they take on the second half of the season. Because Look, the Kyrie thing isn't an injury, so you're not worried about that piece. The Kevin Durant thing, we talked about that last week. We talked about our levels of concern, where our breaking point is going to be on the like, you know, when we hit the worry button in terms of when he's coming back, regardless where what that day is. He's not back now, so that we know. Uh, so it it begs a question of what the Nets really kind of see the future of their season as being, because it's kind of it's going to be important for how they view. I mean, not for, not for every game, but I would say these next few games. When it comes to a road trip, when it comes to James Harden, and it comes to the load that they've had to sort of put on some of these guys in the short term as they try to get healthy. Without Kevin Durant and games that they want to win, they are playing their guys, their key components, or components, their key guy, their key guys, a lot of minutes. James Harden is playing a lot of minutes right now. There's no other way to put it. He's playing an incredible load. In games that are close, he's trending 39, 40, 40 plus minutes. That's just a lot. These are you know, all in regulation, by the way. These aren't overtime games. And if you even just look from the All-Star break, the, his minute share, or you know, the amount of minutes he's played, 39 against Washington, 34 against Orlando. He got, kind of got out because the game was basically in hand for the last few. Also had a few fouls in there, a little foul trouble. 42 against Indiana, win, great, we'll take it. 40 against the Knicks, okay, another win, we'll still take it. 38 and 38, that's since the All-Star break. That's close to four, and if you go to the two games before the All-Star break, 41 and 44 minutes against Houston and San Antonio, That one, the second one went to overtime. We're looking at close to 40-minute a game average, and that's just a lot. It's just a lot of minutes, and at some point, You have to think to yourself, have the Nets built in enough wins on their record to just start saying these games don't matter as much anymore if it's going to come at the expense of James Harden and his body and the injury risk that comes with an extensive load 
especially when, you know, and his minutes, by the way, it's one thing to play 40 minutes, which is impossible, you know, for any basketball player basically to keep it up over the long term. His minutes are even higher leverage because he's impacting the game on an almost every play basis. He has the ball for a vast majority comparatively to other players, a vast majority of the minutes that he's actually on the court too. Decision-making, he's being targeted by defenses, he's taking into the lane, he's getting fouled. I mean, these just aren't these aren't 40 minutes of cardio running up and down the court, standing in the corner and kind of waiting for an open shot to come. These are these are like real minutes along with it. So not every minute is created the same when it comes to just, you know, what the players are actually doing on them. He's actually dialed it in to a certain degree on defense as well. So he's clearly not taking the defensive piece off either. So it kind of begs the question of what the Nets want to happen here with James Harden, because without Kyrie, and without, you know, to some degree, Landry Shamit, we're looking at a situation where they're super thin on guards. They're thin on just overall guys who can create their own shot now. So in terms of like a scoring load, he picks up even more of it. You know, when, they, when they're able to stagger he and Kyrie, it's one thing, you know, because you can know that Kyrie can get into his own bag of tricks and kind of handle, or not even kind of, can completely handle an offense uh, when Harden sits. They don't really, aren't going to really have that in these next couple games against Portland, Utah, and Detroit. And so it, it kind of asks the question, like, what do we want to do? What, what should the Nets be thinking about with Harden and his minutes? You don't want to just come out and say, you don't want to just tank the games. I don't think that sends the right message. Although if they were to say, hey, we're going to rest him two of these games or something like that and just take schedule losses because of other mitigating factors we have around the team, at this point being 29 and 14, uh, playoff seating or playoff spot is nearly assur- is, is just assured. It's not even nearly assured. They're just going to make the playoffs. Whether or not they see the home court advantage as being a real thing, the number one seed as being a real thing, I'm not exactly sure there. I think to some degree you want to have it. I'm not sure when it comes down to it, it's really going to matter. These places aren't going to be at capacity and it's not going to be the exact home court, although it clearly is better to play at home than to go on the road. But I'm just not exactly sure this far out if the Nets should be having their eye on the, the number one seed prize or if this is a situation where they say, hey, we're going to go out there. If we lose a couple of games because we need to only play hard in 35 minutes, let's say, a game, then that might be something that we need to look into. Because, again, at some point, you have just lost enough guys that the load just becomes too much. If we look at his minutes since the trade, so this is – I'm going since January 15th, right? So this is around the time that he starts playing for the Nets following the trade. James Harden leads the NBA – in minutes. He's played 1,100 minutes. The next closest is Julius. Some of these names are weird, by the way. Julius Randle is second, uh, only seven minutes behind him at 1093. Duncan Robinson, third, 1077. Miami's dealt with all kinds of weird COVID stuff, injuries. He was one of like the few guys that wasn't affected by it. So I guess that's where his name comes in. You got some other you know big-time names in here. Jokic has played a ton of minutes. Vucevic has played a ton. Uh, not really totally worth it, considering where Orlando is. And then you get Brandon Ingram. Dame Lillard is up there on the list. I'm, I'm kind of just rounding out the top 10. Dame makes a lot of sense because they didn't have CJ and they were lacking some of that secondary scoring for a while. Then you get Sabonis and Herter and the list goes on. But this is where we are with James Harden now. If you look basically for the last two months, he lead two months plus, he leads the NBA in overall minutes. And again, these are super, super high leverage minutes 
because of what he's being asked to do. It's a lot of on-ball stuff. It's a lot of just, you know, breaking down defenses. It's just all the stuff that we know James Harden does on a game-to-game basis. And I think that is probably going to start to be diminishing returns on how much he's playing versus how much you might compromise his legs later in the season, not to mention just how injury risk goes up the more you play. If you're playing tired, your injury risk goes up. If you're just on the court, things can just happen. We saw him get knocked in the head the other day uh, against Washington, and I thought for, at first right when I saw it, it was a leg injury, and my, my heart stopped, and it ended up being a head injury, and for some reason his head doesn't get injured just the same way that his body doesn't seem to get injured. So I don't know if the Nets are looking at this like, oh, you know, he's James Harden, he's built like a brick, he doesn't get hurt, he can play lots of minutes. We could kind of use the wins. Like, I'm not sure if that's how they see it. And the guy for his career, look, he has been able to play more minutes than other players just by the nature of his game, but just sort of how he's built. So I get that there's probably, I'm not going to compare him to, you know, anybody else in the NBA. He's clearly has a track record of being able to stay healthy. But I do wonder if they need to look at this road trip and say, hey, at some point we've just lost enough guys. You know, our record is what it is. We're going to get Kevin Durant back. We're going to get Kyrie Irving back. We're going to keep winning games. The wins are ultimately not going to be a huge problem for us. This might not be the worst time to just get him a little bit of rest. And if we lose, if we drop a couple games to two good teams, Portland and Utah in particular, you know, whatever you want to say about Detroit later, how they see it, I can't believe I'm saying this because it's kind of runs. It's like the total antithesis of what you usually want to think of as a fan, except Brooklyn Nets fans have to start thinking about this season in a much different way now. Like this is just not your typical season where they're scrapping and clawing for that eight seed. They're scrapping and clawing trying to get into the playoffs. No, the Nets have built themselves kind of a buffer here right now, and this might be the time to maybe just take their foot off the gas when it comes to James Harden specifically and just say, hey, we just can't run you out there for 40 minutes. It's okay. We might lose. It just is is going to be what it is because we're playing. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We are trying for the we are trying for the championship, and we need your minutes will be much more important. Come forty minutes from you will be much more important during you know the Western excuse me Eastern Conference Finals or the championship than they're going to be on a mini three game road trip to Portland, Utah, and Detroit. So I'm hoping that we see. Uh, I'm hoping that we see. Some dialing back of the minutes here over this road trip. I really hope it's not going to be 41, 42, 43, something like that, because they're in close games. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But that is definitely one thing I'm going to be looking for uh, on this road trip with James Harden. All right, want to get into some of these big man minutes here in a minute. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Incredible time for basketball action right now. NBA in full swing. NCAA, obviously, with a tournament going on. Maybe you're into NHL if you don't want to get off the hardwood and onto the ice. Bet Online has you covered for every sport, plus awards, TV shows, reality TV as well. Maybe you want to put in one of those future bets. Right now, Brooklyn Nets plus 240 to win the NBA championship on Bet Online. That is the odds on favorite, vaulting over the Lakers at plus 300. So if you like the Brooklyn Nets to win the championship right now, plus 240 on Bet Online. If you go to Bet Online, yeah, onto the website or mobile device, and you sign up. You can sign up totally free, but if you make a first deposit, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. But you have to use the promo code Locked On, just like our podcast network, Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
And finally, I got to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar, absolute best protein bar there is out there right now. Best in flavor, best in for your health needs. Got you covered for everything you need. You're not even going to believe these things are protein bars either based on the way they taste. 100% covered in chocolate. And right now is Built Bar Madness. That's right. They've stacked up all of their flavors up against each other just because they know that the flavors out there are the absolute best and you can kind of just throw them in bracket style and have them compete against each other because it's actually going to be a tough choice on a, on a round-to-round basis. Today we have chocolate brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. I've got to go chocolate brownie chunk on this one. Excuse me, coconut brownie chunk. Even better because it's covered in chocolate as well. Right now you go to builtbar.com or built underscore bar. And you go and use the promo code LOCKED15. It's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's our podcast network, LOCKED, and 15 for that 15% at BuiltBar.com. It's going to get you uh, that discount off your next order. And you can also check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar, BuiltBar.com. All right, let's talk about what the Nets do here when it comes to their big men. Because I think this is like, it's not becoming an elephant in the room yet, but it is probably bordering on having that elephant kind of like creep around the corner into something we're going to have to probably start talking about sooner than later. And that is what the Nets are going to end up doing when things really get down and on the line. When it comes to guys like DeAndre Jordan, when it comes to Nicholas Claxton, they have Blake Griffin on the, on the roster obviously now. And this is functional big men, but we're starting to see a trend where it's becoming sort of clear about who might come out on top when it comes to playing these big men minutes. And if you look at DeAndre Jordan's last three games, he started all three, so he continues to start. We're not, I don't think we're in a should he be starting or not situation right now. We were definitely like that with Jared Allen. That to me was more of like a developmental thing at the time where it kind of seemed like Jared Allen had, had surpassed him, and he had. And I think everyone had agreed. Sorry, I mean, everyone that kind of watched this stuff had sort of agreed that Jared Allen had passed DeAndre Jordan by when it came to his overall talent, athleticism, ability to switch, ability to play defense, all that stuff. DeAndre stuck in the starting lineup for a while. Jared finally kind of uh, overcame that, and obviously in the James Harden trade, he gets traded away. And then we're going to get back to DeAndre Jordan. Jordan's had a nice season. Effective shooting percentage really good this season. He's getting, I mean, that's all of his looks are James Harden kind of fed uh, rolls to the rim and dunks. So he should have a high shooting percentage. He's not asked to do anything else uh, besides dunk, basically. And the defense has been serviceable, if not great at times. It kind of can kind of look like he's you know still stuck in the lane at times. He's going to have a real trouble switching, uh, especially around perimeter stuff. He just is not going to come out there. He's a liability even if he does. So um, I don't think we're, re- we're never going to get that version of DeAndre Jordan. But we are in a situation now where the, the Nets have kind of brought along a guy in Nick Claxton who has shown – one, the ability to be able to play with Harden specifically uh, on, on roll stuff and being able to get to the basket. His transition game is really starting to pick up. Uh, the leaks in the transition are something we're seeing where Harden's able to connect, and Harden can, can connect down court with the best of them. And we've seen Claxton with the ability to switch onto almost anybody that the opposing team kind of gets him into um, a switch with, especially guards, and really be able to hold his own around the perimeter. And that stuff just becomes increasingly more valuable as time goes on, and he understands his role more and more. 
And so if we look at the last couple of games, the last three specifically, as it, and I'm going to use the last three because this looks like where the minutes cap kind of started coming off of Claxton. Like he had come back, was working his way back from injury, and they were clearly sticking in like the 16-ish minute range with him. But then against Indiana, it comes off. He plays 23, then he plays another 23 in the loss to Orlando, and then he plays 26 in the game against Washington. And if we look at, you know, conversely, if you look at DeAndre Jordan's minutes in that time, 20 against Indiana, 23 against uh, Orlando, and then just 17 against Washington in a close game. That's one of his lowest minutes total of the season in a game that remained close. And I think we're starting to see like the writing on the wall here about what's just going to end up happening with the bigs. And it really just totally makes sense. It makes sense that Claxton is just going to be one, a guy who's a better closing. He's a better closing big. I don't think there's any, uh, there's really no contention around that. I think the only situation where he maybe isn't is with one of the absolute huge bodies, Joel Embiid, I'm thinking. And there really are so, those guys are so few and far between at this point that I, you know, I'm going to struggle to find a lot of examples where DeAndre is going to be able to sort of like need, you're going to need his overall like, you know, heft to be able to size up against one of these guys. Cause for the most part, teams are going to close a little bit smaller, or they're just going to have centers that can still play around the perimeter a lot, you know, like Vooch, Jokic, guys like this, where even DeAndre's skills are you're getting diminishing returns on them. DeAndre didn't play past the six minute mark uh, last game. Didn't close, obviously. Claxton ended up in that closing unit. Looked completely functional. Uh, again, can switch on to anybody. Is not a defensive liability. If you're going to get these guys like you know the Russell, excuse me, the Bradley Beals of the world, you're not worried about if he ends up sort of tasked with him around the perimeter. Didn't happen a ton. But when it does, you're not concerned with it because he's not going to get hunted down on defense. So I'm wondering you know, what ends up happening with him, where it comes in with Blake. We saw he and you know, that first rotation, he and Blake did rotate in together. thought that was interesting. We talked about that in the podcast yesterday about, you know, if they see these guys as sort of a functional pair. I'm not sure that's going to be a long-term solution for them um, just because you really need to absolutely make sure you have three shooters around them. After that, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with Blake and his ability to stretch the floor. We didn't see too much of it uh, in the other day, but that's something that could come along as he kind of ramps his way back up. But I'm just wondering if we're going to reach an inflection point with DeAndre Jordan, with Nick Claxton, and maybe even ultimately Blake Griffin, where we just there's just fewer and fewer examples of where DeAndre Jordan should be on the court. And the fact that Claxton has become so good in such a quick period of time and looked so pre- I'm pretty much competent, the offensive stuff, you know, Matt Brooks was on last week and talked about how he's still getting lost in a couple of these screening and the rescreening situations. And that's just that, that stuff's going to come with time. The athleticism is clearly still there. The overall basketball IQ, especially on defense, is definitely still there. And so I'm just wondering where you know, when the rubber hits the road, if one, if we'll ever see a change in the guard again with the starting lineup, I don't think so. I think they'll probably keep DJ there as a nominal starter, at least for now, or at least through the rest of the regular season, just because it would create like kind of a stir to move. I don't think it's probably not too big of a risk to, to keep starting him overall. Look, they're clearly winning with him as a starter too. So it's like, it's not like you're really losing much. And if you're ever just going to play uh, sort of like a center whose maybe game has kind of passed him by. The beginning of the games are just definitely the time to do it. Most teams that do have these starters in name only, uh, 
that's where they do it. They do it with the center position, and then you know they don't ever think about closing with these guys ever, and it's just something that's still kind of like hanging around the NBA, and for sometimes reasons I'm not totally clear. So I think that I th- you do see DJ continue to start, but and I actually don't think we'll have like the same – I mean, I, I don't think so at least. We'll have the same um, – issues where like with where Jared Allen where it was a clear like are you on team Jared or are you on team DJ like, it became a very th- clear thing like that with the NBA or excuse me the, with the Nets nation about like which side of this coin you landed on like did you want DJ starting did you want Jared Allen starting it kind of became a fight that's when there was like you know fewer things to maybe worry about like championships and whatnot so I, I think with DJ you continue to see him start but I do think you're going to start seeing this like 20-minute-ish kind of range for him. He's not going to close at all anymore, like I said, unless he's in one of those kind of ultra-big situations. Even then, like I, he didn't close against Indiana, and they have two of these guys, Miles Turner and Damanis Sabonis. And we didn't really see, feel the need to play him in that situation either. So maybe those situations are just saved for like a Joel Embiid, and that's it. Maybe like that's the one situation where you're going to see DeAndre Jordan start. So I think one thing to prepare for as we head into this next stretch of basketball is fewer DJ minutes. I think that's probably warranted. More Nick Claxton minutes. I think that's definitely warranted. And then we see, you know, where, how much they think Claxton and Blake can play together. That's one thing I'm definitely looking for in this Portland game is this first rotation. What happens? Do they come in together again? Claxton and Blake, that is. Um, Do we see them kind of split up a little bit more? We really didn't see that uh, too much in this first game. Uh, You know, Blake played all, let me just double check this. No, that's not true. Blake, I, I thought they overlapped the entire time. It looks like they had a two-minute stretch where they did not play together, where Blake was off the court, excuse me, on the court without Claxton. But that's still not very much. I'm, I'm, I want to see, you know, how much they play together, what happens when they play apart, you know, how much they're going to get Blake at the five. And if all that stuff continues to happen, I think we're going to continue to see uh, sort of the the marginalization of DeAndre Jordan as this season wears on. We'll be back again tomorrow, breaking down the game against Portland. Uh, Should be an interesting one. Like I said, we're going to keep an eye out for all this other minute stuff, the injuries, the big men, a lot to watch in the game against Portland. In the meantime, totally free way to help the podcast. Rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars or bust, you know the drill. Also, give us a follow on Twitter. We're almost to 1,000 followers. Would love to get there over the course of this week. Just feels good to hit four digits, I think, on the old Twitter account. So, at LockedOnNets is the handle there as well. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.